the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends, and happy Saturday and beyond. You know, this is the time frame where Thanksgiving is... uh, on the calendars and in the hearts of many people uh, as well. So uh, uh, perhaps some of that thankfulness will exude through this broadcast. It should because of the guy that I've got on the air with me. He's actually here in the studio with me. His name is Professor Thomas Winder, and he does archaeology events and and, and digs and so forth in Israel, uh, northern Israel, and around the Dead Sea and other places as well. And uh, he's a man of great insights and kind of a sense of humor, kind of. <laughs> I, Thomas knows because we've been friends for a little while now, and so he knows that I jab and tease a little bit. So are you ready for this broadcast, Thomas Winter? Uh, uh, yes, and thank you for having me, Kaz. Wonderful to be here, and happy Thanksgiving. Yes, yes, yes. So my listening friends, uh, he this man just came back from Israel. Actually, he arrived back in the United States at the same time when he landed. He said, hey, there's a, a new war in Israel. <laughs> Did you know that? And he goes, no, but you had a sense that there were some things going on when you were doing excavation things in uh, northern Israel this time around, right? Yeah, my my season was cut short by by Israel and the and the Ministry of Interior because they were squeezing Christians out. It's the only political pushback that they can do is basically deny visas to institutes like myself. I'm the Holy Land Research Institute. And they even tried to shut down the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem by canceling visas. Yes. So my so because I'm such a small fry and I don't have the political pull that the International Christian Embassy has, they they definitely got their visas, but I did not get mine. So I was forced out, uh, you know, about mid-season for me. Yes. And on the last day before going to the airport, it was Friday afternoon. I had my rental car, and I thought, well, I'll go down to Ascalon <laughs> By to the see way, the friend. Philistine city on the beach <laughs> right above Gaza City. Right above Gaza. Right above Gaza City. <laughs> and that was on October the 6th. Yes. And and the Lord said, "No, get your blank out of there immediately, and head back to the airport." So I did. Yes, I flipped a U-turn right in the middle of Highway Four in Ascalon and and returned to the to the airport, even though I had eight hours to spare before my flight oh my. that left at one o'clock in the morning, and of course nobody knew anything was going to happen. Uh, sure, and sure. we didn't know anything had happened. Until we landed in Chicago, and uh, and that's, you heard the and news. that's when all everybody's yeah. phone was blowing up, 
And, of course, I had a couple dozen phone calls and sure. messages. Are you okay? Where are you? Because the war had broken out. Yeah. And this this whole uh, temperature of war in Israel is not one, you know, this is something that Israel experiences continually and uh, different levels of intensity. But this... Uh, what, 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 what would I say? The the hatred, but uh, from uh, the Hamas, which uh, many are located in the Gaza Gaza Strip area, and Ascalon, where 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 you were as well. That that whole area is burgeoning with people that hate Israel. Uh, some of them may even call themselves Israelis. <laughs> yeah, well, I and I actually saw on the news, of course, the next day, the pictures of where the bombs had landed in Ascalon. Yeah. Okay, exactly where I was. Oh, I mean, my. I was right exactly where the bombs blew up uh, at 6 o'clock in the morning. But, of course, I was on the plane yeah. over the Atlantic at the time. Yeah. Well, you know, for for this show, Thomas, I've been excited to have you. And then all of a sudden you said, because you live in New Mexico, all of a sudden you said, you know what, I'm going to be in your town. Why don't we just do this and I'll come on into the studio? I said, yes. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here he is. Well, I you know I do this on Zoom and on the telephone. Sure. I used to do. I've done hundreds, if not thousands, of radio shows. Oh yes, yeah, and sure. television because I used to be a broadcaster yes. myself with uh-huh. my own show, Prepare the Way with Brother Thomas. Ooh, and uh, so I love being in the studio. Yes, it's face to face makes it all good to me. It sure does. Well, you, there are a couple of things. There are a lot of letters behind a person's name, a, a person of your background. But for you, uh, some interesting. Uh, letters in front of your name. One says Reverend and one says Professor. What's the Professor part? Well, I was a professor at Trinity Southwest University in Albuquerque's seminary school, uh-huh. and I was finishing up my degree, uh, BA and MA, and uh, they hired me to work for them and teach. Uh, by the way, my, the subject I was teaching at the time was the appointed times of the Lord, yes, Leviticus yes. 23, mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 16, etc. And, uh, and of course, the tabernacle in the wilderness. Oh, yes. All that stuff about Jesus in the Old Testament that New Testament believers sometimes don't realize even exists. Sure. Uh, and so that I, I taught there for five years while I was uh, getting my degree in archaeology. And, of course, the school under Dr. Collins, Dr. Stephen Collins, had applied right as I was coming in on board. They had received permission to excavate Tal El Hammam in Jordan, which is the city of Sodom. Oh, my. So David Graves and I, another professor, David Graves and I, found literally within two hours on the very first day in 2005, we found King Bera's palace. King Bear, King Bear is the king of Sodom. Uh, yeah, but the king back, back the, yeah, then. And you have some interesting and, insights about that "quote unquote" king oh of Sodom, don't you? Oh, I have lots of <laughs> insights. Uh, and then about five years later, when we showed up, all the bananas were missing. Well, they had died. No, nobody's a banana farmer over here. We have no clue what the life of a banana tree is. But over there, they plant bananas mm-hmm. on the city of Sodom. Oh, my. And the entire lower tell of this of this city could never be seen until we showed up in 2010 and all the bananas were dead. 
Oh my! So, Maybe I, too much so salt. I told Doctor <laughs> Collins, I said, "Baby, I'm going down there to poke around." Sure. So he says, "Well, you know, knock yourself out." And so I grabbed some tools and went down below into, into the into the banana plantation, and and we found sort of a knoll, and we said, "Okay, it's a good place to look." Dug some probes, ran right into the foundation of, of the a, temple. Of the temple. Of Sodom. My listening friend, what you need to know is this: this uh, location in Sodom uh, Gomorrah is uh, it's around the Dead Sea. It's just above the Dead Sea, directly yeah. across from Jericho. Sure, right where our Bibles in Genesis thirteen places it. Exactly. What a concept. Well, yeah, what a concept. <laughs> you know, and so many people who do excavations and things like that that are not believers in the Bible or the Lord, they they use uh, the Bible as kind of an extraneous tool. But the truth of the matter is, it's all there. Even, even <laughs> atheist archaeologists have to have a Bible in their back pocket. Sure, because. To know what they're digging up. <laughs> even though they don't believe and they want to prove it wrong all the time. And I could go through a list of people like that. Sure. But what happens is every single time something is found, mm-hmm. which nowadays is like every day or yes, twice exactly. or two or three times a day, okay, they have to eat crow because everything verifies the biblical text. Absolutely. Well, you know, since we're here and I've got you for the entire two hours from 5 to 7 p.m., uh, I wanted to spend this first segment introducing you. And guess what? We've done that. Thanks. But we've got uh, the remaining segments to talk about other things. There's so much you can talk about. Uh, a little bit more on maybe the wartime mental intellect uh, of the people that uh, live and uh thrive in and around Israel, but also want to talk to a little bit about some of the excavations stuff that you found in the northern part uh, of the Mount of Transfiguration and what that means to you, my listening friend. You're going to be amazed because this man is a wealth of knowledge, and uh, I'm going to be asking him questions and maybe teasing around with him just a little bit, but you got to put up with that because that's who, why, what, where, when, and how of Kaz Taylor. So, my listening friend, it's exciting that God is in the throes of these things, and he's bringing people into this broadcast that have insights about what's going on in Israel. But, you know, when you have those Israeli insights, you also have insights of what God is doing in this nation and other nations as well. So we're going to talk more about these things when we uh, dig more deeply, and I say that from an archaeological standpoint, into the uh, life and times of Thomas Winder, a professor, a reverend, a powerhouse of knowledge and spiritual things. He'd go, oh, who, me? (laughs) But he is, and we're going to excavate those things with him and find out more about what God is doing in Israel, the United States, and elsewhere. Guess what? It's time for us to take a break, but we will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Welcome back, my friends. And you know, uh, it's always fun for me to bring some of my friends who are intimately tied to Israel in the studio or on the air because they have some wonderful insights. And boy, when you talk about wonderful insights, my co-host for this two hours is uh, archaeologist and professor and also Reverend (laughs) Thomas Winder, and he just came back from Israel. And I wanted to spend this segment talking, Thomas, a little bit about the 
wartime events, and you say, uh, what part of the Bible are you talking about? Because the wartime events happened all throughout Scripture, and when they were in the Promised Land, uh, major wartime events, and many of those uh, similar events are happening, T-O-D-A-Y, today. Thomas Winder, give me your insights. Well, it's it's a matter of history and learning that history. Sure. And if you actually peel open a book and actually read the true history of Israel, you will find out that the Jews were there way back, way back, uh, when Abraham became the basically the first Hebrew and his sons became the Hebrews. They were given the land in Genesis chapter 15, and it was the land of the Canaanites then. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Jebusites, all these <laughs> yes. different people. All the ites. Okay. Uh, and, and then they were taken into slavery in Egypt a few years later. And, of course, they spent time in Egypt. And then, then the Exodus story comes about at the time of Moses. And eventually they get, after 40 years of the wilderness, they come back across the Jordan River and take the land back. Yes. Okay. This is 14. 1,500 years before the time of Jesus. Yes. Okay. And Islam doesn't happen until 650 years after After. the time of Jesus. Okay. So the Jews have been there basically forever, long before these Philistines or these Palestinians think that they have— uh, you know, they think they have exclusive rights because they have dwelt there. But the truth of the matter is, that's a dwelling place. That they, really... You know, the truth of the matter is that Palestinians slash Arabs, yes, okay, and the Jews are cousins, mm-hmm. and they got along fantastically well. No problems. You know, just a few little skirmishes here and there, yeah. but no real big political problems until our generation and Yasser Arafat comes along and convinces the world that the Palestinians should have rights mm-hmm. of some kind of their own. They should have their own piece of land. Yes. That's after Israel has already been given their land by the United Nations, by the British, etc. And tell us a little bit about, you know, in the Scripture you talk about the, the uh, Philistines— the Philistines versus the uh, Israelis. Are, is there a connection between the Philistines of then and the Palestinians of the now? Well, the Romans changed the name Philistia into Palestina. That's where it. That's, that's where, where the term mm-hmm. of Palestine comes from, from Philistina, which the Romans gave the land because they hated the Jews mm-hmm. so much that they changed the name from Israel to Philistina, yes. which comes Palestine in, in our vernacular today. Yes, and, and one of the things that I look at, and I, it, what the Bible talks about in Ecclesiastes, that which was, is, and that which is, is, is to come, because there's nothing new under the sun. So that suggests, wouldn't you say, Professor, that, that uh, the, the same kind of turmoil that happened back then is the same kind of turmoil that will happen now, and perhaps the end results that happened back then will also uh, show themselves in these days. Is that a plausibility? That's a plausibility. In fact, as we see this this uh, war growing, mm-hmm. uh, you see Turkey, uh, you know, 
breaking diplomatic relations with Israel. You see Jordan mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Yemen just declared war against Israel, and they're shooting ballistic missiles oh, at Israel. Yes. What you have going on today, you can directly look at Genesis chapter 15 and the boundaries of the land of Israel that was given to Abraham, repeated again in Psalm 83. Yes. And what we have today literally lines up with that because all the enemies, of course, that surround Israel, mm-hmm. if if Israel, and I, and I say if because someday they do, we know that the scriptures are true and, and the Lord's promises happen. Uh, we don't know exactly when sometimes, sure. but Israel is going to grow bigger, mm-hmm. not smaller. That's right. And and eventually they will have all the boundaries that were given to Abraham in Genesis 15, which includes yeah. all of Turkey, yeah. all the way down to Yemen, and from the Egypt sure. River to the Euphrates. Yeah, the Tigris, Euphrates, all this. And right now, the, this parcel of land is really small compared to what God gave them. And and, and we do believe that the Bible is going to be uh, come to, the prophecies are well, going to come it to says pass. Over That's a big and over, chunk of land. It says over and over that Israel will not lose another battle and their enemies will be crushed. Mm. Mm. So uh, you would say, you know, and a lot of politicians, quote unquote, have ulterior motives behind this uh, war in Israel because it could mean for some governments, and might it be ours, that there's a, a opportunity for major, major revenue as uh, as far as being involved in something like this. There's a thing called oil, of course, that plays a role, but also just the the pure financial benefit of warfare, uh, and that's a sad thing, isn't it? Well, the, if you read Ezekiel, it looks like the enemies attack Israel for the spoils. Uh-huh. Okay, and Israel in that little tiny postage stamp of a country that they have <laughs> that you can yeah. barely even see on a global map, they just happen to have oil and natural gas yes. and all kinds of fresh water yes. and things that that their enemies would love to sure, have. Sure, And, you know, one of the other things they have is remarkable human resources. Mm. The ingenuity of the mm. people of Israel, of the of Jewish mentality, that they, you know, water desalination plants and uh, farming uh, expertise and, you know, the greenhouses that went up uh, around the area of Gaza when they, before they handed it over. <laughs> I mean, all these different things. The, the Jewish people are having genius uh, creativity as well. So all this coming together, no wonder that such a small country can be so large uh, in an export and uh, You know that little, that little country of Israel is the fourth biggest breadbasket in the world? Say that again. They, I, I, that little tiny country yes. of Israel is the fourth biggest breadbasket mm-hmm. in the world. They export food to everybody. Yes, they do. They do indeed. You know, uh, you know me a little bit, and you know that I've spent a fair amount of time in Israel. I love Israel. You love Israel too, and so uh, I've been cherishing this time together because uh, I think some of that love that we have for Israel and the the people of Israel is going to rub off on our our listening friends. And one of the things I want you to do, my listening friends, is I want you to be aware that God is in control of these contrary times right now. 
and uh, he's going to exercise his will in the midst of contrary times to show himself as being uh, mighty and he being glorified. And in fact, uh, one of the things you, you know, I don't know, we a little bit of time left in this segment. You want to share some things. Uh, the, the, the people are coming to God, godliness, and wow. the Son of God like no numbers before. You know, in in this time of opposition, in this time of turmoil, what you find is a real desire, a real heartfelt desire to come to the Prince of Peace. Everybody in the Middle East wants peace. And, of course, Allah and Muhammad, okay, they don't really offer peace until all their enemies are dead. (laughs) Uh, And so there are Muslims by the thousands coming to Jesus right now. In fact, Jesus is visiting many people in their dreams or having visions. In fact, just a couple days ago, 200 People, Palestinians, had the exact same Same dream. dream. (laughs) They were visited. They had a vision of Jesus, and they became Christians overnight. Wow. And, you know, the Scripture talks about this, uh, that you'll be given dreams. Uh, Old men shall uh, dream dreams and young men shall see And at the same time, Kaz, that that there's Muslims coming to Christianity. Yes, yes, yes. Jews are coming to Jesus in swarms, in waves. That's why there's political pushback in Israel against Christianity because the Orthodox Jews are basically melting down. They're losing it. Yeah, that's amazing. Can we talk just a little bit more about that in the next segment? But one of the comments you made about uh, people are seeking peace, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this in this in future segments as well. But uh, the world sees peace in one way, but the Bible talks about peace that passes all understanding, and, th- and that can only be ha- happening through God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that kind of a piece. We're going to also talk about some of the other excavations as well, because it is remarkable. God has big plans. Look in the mirror, my friend. You get to be a part of it. And uh, Thomas Winder and I will talk more about that in the next segments when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Back again, my friends, and a compelling show to say the least. My newfound friend Thomas Winder is with me in the studio. Uh, we met uh, a number of months ago, and uh, I've, we've stayed in contact. He's uh, been on the show, I think, one time or two before. But I, you know, to get him in person in the studio here in San Diego is kind of remarkable. We're talking about the things that are going on in Israel. We're also talking about the things that go on in Israel uh, overlay or overshadow the things that go on in the rest of the world. That's God's design. Israel is a showcase. Uh, and a thermometer for what God want, is what the enemy is doing and what God is doing both at the same time. Thomas Winder, uh, we ended our last conversation talking a little bit about people wanting peace uh, in in the earth, particularly in Israel, and that could be a, a factor to bring uh, Jew and Arab, uh, Jew and Gentile together. But there's a difference between the peace that they they've already always proclaimed is not the peace that the Bible talks about, the peace that passes understanding. They want a peace that is most convenient for them and not so much for the other guy. Talk a little bit about what's going on there, and then I want you to spend some time talking about some of your excavations. Well, you know, before I left for the last few months, 
everybody was talking about peace. war. War and peace, okay? yeah. And, of course, everyone was in agreement that war is coming. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't know when, and nobody knew when. And people were guessing a couple of years from now, maybe two or three years from now. But not if war was coming, but when, when, when yeah, war was coming. Exactly. And the other thing that was in agreement, and this came from people that didn't even uh, have any have any have any have any stock in religion, they were talking about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. That the only answer to the conflict, mm-hmm. the only answer to the human conflict within ourselves has to be Jesus because he's the only one. Now that now that gets very interesting and I and I don't want to open up a can of worms right now, but in Islam there is no son, there is no trinity, it's only Allah and he doesn't need a son. Mm-hmm. In fact, in every mosque around the world, one of their 13 tenets happens to be there is no son. Mm, really. So no trinity. Yeah. That's what separates really the 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 different clans and different tribes of the Middle East because Christians of course believe in the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and the Jews do as well even though they don't want to admit it. Yes. Because when they do they're in agreement with those Christians. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, but they, they're also exactly. Trinity Script, people. Script, Old Testament scripture supports right. that pretty Exactly clearly. right. So they're just waiting for the sun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but that's you, the big difference. One of the things when I have gone over there and I have a lot of friends, not only that are uh, Christians over there, but also I have Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox friends that are there as well. And I found that by talking about Jesus, you can get yourself into trouble. But I always like to talk about Messiah, uh, uh, son of David. Messiah ben David, because the son of we we can identify Jesus with a number of names, but son of David is one of those uh, names, and they have no problem with looking for a the Messiah, son of David. They just don't like to attach the name Jesus to it. <laughs> well, that's right, but they do believe in the son yes. as well. They just didn't recognize him yet, but. What's happening right now uh, is yes, they yes. are recognizing him. By, and, that, and you said dreams and visions and things right. like I mean, that. That's remarkable, There Thomas. is a revival going on. There is a Jesus movement in Israel and the entire Middle East right now from Iran, Iraq, all the way down to Yemen, all the way into Egypt. They can't stop Christianity because it's the truth. Yes, yes. Well— <sighs> You know, I, I think about when Trump was in office and the Abraham Accord coming to pass and things like that. Um, the, the, one of the things that troubles me is to see land for peace. You know, that's a difficult thing because that really violates Scripture to, to offer land for peace. Um, I'm not sure how that is going to be worked out, but uh, there are a lot of uh, Muslim nations, not not the Shiite nation-related nations, but the Sunni-related nations that have an affinity for Israel. In fact, they see them as to help be protected against the Iranian bombs. Well, you know, your your enemy is uh, is my enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Oh, my, my, my. So let, let's uh, switch gears just a little bit here because you've done 
remarkable excavations. Uh, you, to, your two primary areas of focus are, are the, the Dead Sea area and Sodom, the Sodom area, but I wanted to go north because this last time you spent all your time in the northern part of Israel, like Mount Hermon and Mount of Transfiguration and things like that. Give an overview this segment, and we'll dig more deeply, he said with a pun in mind. We'll dig more deeply in the next That's segment right. Thomas Winder. No pun intended. Oh, We're going to dig will deeper always be into pun this. intended with me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. So five years ago, I I was uh, I got I basically got off of the Sodom dig. Yeah, you know, after seven years of digging and teaching, and I, I was ready for a break. And the phone rang immediately when I got home, and it was an old rabbi friend of mine that said, "Hey, but you know, you're the Transfiguration guy." And he this particular gentleman, Doctor Hertog, has known me for about forty five, almost fifty years. And and he knew that when I went to seminary school in Jerusalem back in the early 90s, yes. that I had figured out what mountaintop the transfiguration, transfiguration actually took place on. Yeah, because, in, in, you know, you look at different expositors, they'll go, oh, it's over here, and it's over here, it's over here. You have uh, well more than circumstantial I, evidence. I, wow. I, <laughs> I spent a long time on topo maps, yep. studying the topography of the mountain and the region and the ridges and the valleys and the all that kind of stuff and the trails and everything. And I figured out what mountaintop the transfiguration took place on. Mm-hmm. There were some clue. What were some of the clues that led you to where you found? Where, where well, there's, well, first you have to go to the scriptures and do your laundry list and break them down. Sure. And and when you break down the story of the transfiguration, you cannot remove it from the story of where Jesus went with his disciples yep. to declare the church. Remember, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church yes. and the gates of hell will not uh, prevail, against, prevail yep. against it. And I will give them the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, whatever they bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever they loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's a big deal for me and for all believers. Sure. And unfortunately, the academic world, the theological world, they have they either lean towards the Catholic understanding of things and their persuasion, or the protesters, us Protestants. <laughs> and uh, matter of fact, that's what the term means. Yeah. We're protesting. And uh, and so when I was when I was uh, you know enlisted to go up there on Mount Hermon, I was I, the phone call I had from Doctor Hertog. He says, "By the way, you might want to be the project manager of this church restoration project." In Majdal Shams, where, where an that, old where church that, that was torn down some 400 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, and the land belongs to a friend of his, and and I was set up. Mm-hmm. I had a contract. I had a salary. I was supposed to get transportation. I was supposed to have all these things. And when I showed up five years ago, turned out I had nothing. The people actually. Uh, we're trying to convince me 
in uh, in Middle Eastern terms, yeah. <laughs> like karat goes your head, and you can't be here. You're an outsider, yes. and you better go home before we send you home in a you body bag. Oh, my. But my daughter, thank God, gave her testimony on Facebook right at that time, which I, as a proud father, passed on to my Facebook page, and everybody in Majdal Shams watched my daughter's testimony oh my. about how she got in trouble and got cleaned up because Jesus came into her life. And that saved my life because everybody in town saw her testimony. It reversed the curse. I became the city archaeologist. <laughs> and the same people that were basically trying to get rid of me, rid of me are now my best friends, okay, we're gonna helping talk, me yes, on the yes, church. I love it. We're, we're going to talk more about that because yeah. that, that uh, uh, un, basically unlocked so many other things about the Mount of Transfiguration and the gates of hell and everything else. It's remarkable. What, it, what it did, Kaz, was gave me the time yep. to get back to my research that yep. I had started in the 90s. Wait until you hear the things that he's discovered about that, and it's going to bring new life is going to breathe new life into the scriptures that you thought you knew, but n- maybe not so much because uh, the the scriptures were written for now for us to comprehend what's going on. Amen. And it is remarkable. We'll find out more about that and other things when Thomas Winder and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, hello, my friends. Uh, welcome back to a very engaging topic, dealing with uh, one of my favorite topics, the Holy Land, but more importantly, Israel. And uh, I'm a, a real lover of Israel. I hang out uh, when I'm there more in the the city of David and the, and the Temple Mount area, and that, that's where I've done my spiritual digging. You do your natural and spiritual digging in uh, the northern part of Israel, uh, and you were giving a story about the the people of the area thought you were the enemy, and all of a sudden you were ingratiated to them, and that gave you an open door to so many things. I'm going to hand the baton to you, uh, Thomas, because my my listening friend, what you want to realize is when as, as Thomas gives you an overview of that, uh, the things that how God works in his life to give him opportunities, God is working in your life to give you opportunities. It may not be an excavation for that, but it may be an excavating the heart of your next door neighbor or something like that, and he'll give you opportunities where they identified you as the enemy, but all of a sudden they see you as a pal. Right, Thomas? That's a great amen to that, Kaz. Uh, It's very true. God is not finished with any of us. That's right. Because he is coming back, (laughs) and we all need to be ready, and we need to get our friends ready. Yep, yep. So five years ago, I, I get on a plane. I go to the slopes of Mount Hermon. To a, to a city called Majdal Shams, which is the capital of the Syrian Druze. Let me spell that for the audience. D-R-U-Z-E. These people are a very unique people group. They are Arabs, but they are anti-Muslim. They left Islam a thousand years ago from Egypt and moved up to the slopes of Mount Hermon to be left alone. So they have lived there for many different empires, have come and gone. 
until 1967, when Israel took the Golan Heights and kept it, you know, mm-hmm. from from war from Syria. Okay, these people are Syrians. The Golan Heights used to be part of Syria, mm-hmm. and part of the, they have their own religion. Yes, it's not Christian. It's not Jewish, obviously, and thank goodness it's not Muslim, Islam. Islam or Muslim, yeah. But they have their own religion that's sort of a grab bag of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Wonderful people, yep. incredibly loving, kind, family oriented. I love these folks, and and they are very much into reincarnation. Mm. But there I was in the middle of this town. I'm a total outsider. Right, I look like a cowboy from New Mexico because that's what I am, <laughs> and they're all looking at me like, "What on earth is this guy doing?" One of the tenets of their religion is no outsiders allowed, mm-hmm. mostly because they're into reincarnation, and an outsider could impregnate one of their women, and then their bloodline would be messed up. Oh my! my so one hundred percent, no outsiders. You're talking to the first and only outsider that's been allowed to live in this village for hundreds of years. Incredible opportunity for ministry. Now, of course, I'm an archaeologist, and I'm talking about what happened on their mountain Mm -hmm. that really they don't have a clue about. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I was— you know, I was fascinating everybody in sure. town with the story of the Nephilim and how the bad angels sure. landed on Mount Hermon and and you know bore the biblical giants sure. and all that stuff. And I was taking individuals in town, some of those same guys that were trying to chase me out. In fact, <laughs> I would take them by the hand and hike all over these ridges. And show, show them, them the cultic of, yeah, high places. High places. Charles Warren in 1865 went up there and surveyed the mountain. Not only did he find the oath on top of the mountain in a in a carved stele, which he had to cut in four pieces to get down off the mountain, but it was the very oath that the bad angels of Genesis chapter six took when they landed when they left heaven. And came to Earth. They came to Mount Hermon, the Mount Hermon. Yes. And of course, there's high places. They're called cultic high places, where there's pits and walls and and standing stones and 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 sacrifices, sacrifices, and where all those things, all those pagan things, took place because the giants turned into the pagan gods. Mm -hmm. They were giants. They had to be served. They had they people of Earth literally had to worship them and serve them or die. My okay, and they are all fertility gods. Now let's go to the Bible. You know, talks about these things. There's Baal or Baal, Baal mm-hmm. is the big number one mm-hmm. honcho on on the pagan pantheon. He's the big one and the meanest. Okay, then there's Molech. And there's Dagon, and there's Chemesh, mm-hmm. and Pan. Those mm-hmm. those are a few. And then the, there's the, a female side of things too. Astarte Ash, and Ishtar. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Those things as well. So on Mount Hermon, naturally, there are all of these temple sites. 
Charles Warren found 27 temple sites. My, my. No one since 1988 and Professor uh, Simone Dar from the Hebrew University and Bar-El, University of Jerusalem, has done anything up there except for me. I came and, along. And, and the reason why is it's, it's really restraining to actually be allowed well, to be up the there. Well, it's the Golan Heights yeah, and it's military. Yeah, and yeah, Syria is close by. You know, are you kidding? How about right on yeah, the Syrian right on the border. fence yep. and Lebanon <laughs> as well? Yep. So here I am, this outsider. Now I have time on my hands to get back to my research because, honestly, they weren't letting me work on this old church Unfortunately, the land has been encroached upon, sure. and and maybe the church will never be a building again. It's just a big pile of rock, and and we haven't found any mosaic floor or anything mm-hmm. extraordinary mm-hmm. to to try to ask for funds to rebuild it. So we're just cleaning up the place. But in but the, <laughs> but in the process, that particular church was called the Church of the Transfiguration when. It was alive and well 400 years ago. There's a little clue, would you say? The Greek Orthodox (laughs) Church called it their Church of the Transfiguration, which just happens to be right on the Damascus Road. This is something else that the scholars have, you know, sort of forgotten about is where the real Damascus Road goes. Well, all you have to do is read Genesis 14 and follow Abraham who's chasing after Kelly Omer and his kidnapped nephew named Lot. Yes. And guess where they go? They go right straight to Tel Dan and then to Damascus, which means they went from Tel Dan to Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus went with his disciples to talk about the rock and the keys to the kingdom, and then to the transfiguration. Yes. All during the Feast of Tabernacles, by the way. Oh, my. Which it really opens this thing up. It opens it up big but time. But there I was on the mountain with all this time on my hands, and literally in the last five years, I have found all the temple sites on the mountainside that I can get to of Mount Hermon. I have taken the locals to all of these sites. I have found what is similar— that all these sites have in common. So when I finally saw all these things in common with all these other temple sites, then for the first time I knew what to look for. Yep. So when I went to Nimrod's fortress again, which is the hilltop where the transfiguration took place, all of a sudden for the first time I knew what I was looking at. And I literally found Baal's Arch, which was the only thing up there because Nimrod's fortress wasn't built until 900 years ago. So before that, what was there? Turns out to be Baal's Arch and his throne, which is exactly where the trail from Caesarea Philippi just happens to go up the ridge and end up at. 
my, my. And, you know, my listening friend, you're hearing words right now, but I'm going to have him give some examples and some visuals as well that are tied to this. When you realize that the scripture you read is not just a, a passive verse, it's literally showing the geography of an area, the topography of the area, but also the level of worship, uh, demon worship and things like that that are going on and that have gone on for uh, millennia. And we're going to talk more about those things and other things as well. Thomas Winter, I'm just so thrilled to have you. Got you for the entire from 5 to 7 p.m. time frame to talk about these things. So we're going to dig more deeply in this, talking about a place called uh, Mount Hermon, a.k.a. the Mount of Transfiguration. We'll talk more about that. My listening friend, I hope you're enjoying this because this is going to help you uh, give a new look to the old book. We're going to talk more about that and so many things when Thomas Winder and Kaz, when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Welcome back, my friends. And this is a good time for me to tell you as we enter into the second hour of Come Together San Diego, If you want to communicate with me, I have an email address that you can find and uh, apply. And then you can say, Kaz, love the shows, hate the shows. Uh, I've got an idea for a show or whatever. And I I will respond quickly to those things. And that uh, address is is called www.kprz.com, but also... um, Come together, San Diego at kprz.com will get you uh, to a way to communicate with me. And uh, I love to hear what you have to say. And speaking of loving to hear what you have to say, Thomas Winder, <laughs> we're loving to hear what you have to say, as well as you verbally excavate uh, the scripture, but also you literally excavated it as well. And these things that he's sharing with you uh, about this uh, Mount Herman and the Mount of Transfigura- uh, Transfiguration and, and things like that. These things are in Scripture, but they were on, in Scripture for a purpose, not for you just to passively go, oh, that's interesting. But the same things that he taught the disciples on that mountain and elsewhere are things he wants to teach you N-O-W, because we are in the times you think that there was uh, demon worship and evil things going on then. Look behind the scenes in various governments, maybe even our own, that things like that are bad things are going on. And uh, God's giving us the tools to deal with that thing in a godly way. Thomas Winder, what you got? (laughs) You're just going to open it up. All right. Hand it to you. Well, if you'll recall back in the Grammy Awards and also our our big football game, yeah, the, the, the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl yeah. and the halftime show. We've seen it. We literally had Baal worship, devil worship going on for the halftime shows yes, yes. and the Grammy Awards mm-hmm. right in our face. Yes. They, these people, either don't know what they're doing or they have no idea the symbolism behind the horns oh, and uh, the red and all that stuff. I, maybe they, they do. They, there are people I'm that sure know what they they're do. doing, but uh, but uh, but the people, we innocents go, oh, that's an interesting look. Uh, are you yes. kidding me? The, yeah. Pure and simple, satanic worship. The, it's satanic yes. worship in our time all around us now. Yes. I, I, I really don't have to, you know, say much about that here in Southern California. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, uh, you know, the heart of yeah, that. Yes. And, uh, and so what that tells us is that these old spirits 
the spirits of Baal. That's the mm-hmm. devil incarnate, if you will. Uh, these spirits are still around to this day. Yes. And they're not restrained by a geography. And they, 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 they can work Yes, they're not anytime. restrained by geography. And unfortunately, they're not being restrained by the church anymore. Oh, that's so true. Okay, Thomas. so so I hope I'm bending some ears back <laughs> right now because the story of the transfiguration goes along with the story of of Christ declaring his church upon the rock mm-hmm. and he's teaching his disciples not just about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they could not cast out demons. Mm-hmm. In fact, you read Luke chapter 9, Matthew chapter 16, and Mark chapter 9. This is the, the, the three uh, uh, narratives about this, this, this incident, okay, this, this incredible show, this light show that happens on the mountain that literally everybody sees and probably everybody hears because if you, if you know the topography of this Damascus road, it starts, it starts down in the valley at Caesarea Philippi at the base of Mount Hermon, where the gate to hell just happens to be. And the altar of Pan, the goat demon, which is where Jesus takes his disciples for the feast of tabernacles instead of Jerusalem, by the way. Yep. Yep. They went north instead of south. And this is a long ways. This is a long way. This ways. is a 50-mile hike from, north yep. from Capernaum to get to Caesarea Philippi, to the gate to hell. Well, you have to ask yourself, what on earth is Jesus doing? Yep. Well, yep. first of all, I can tell you that he knows what he's doing. Yep. He has a plan and a purpose that he sticks to. This isn't just haphazard. He takes his disciples north instead of south. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he has the Feast of Tabernacles on Mount Hermon, which, of course, is the birthplace of the pagan gods. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And he takes his disciples to the gate to hell, which is the goat demon Pan. That's his altar. Yes. And there he says, and this is where the, the Catholics get it wrong. And by the way, the Protestants don't get it right either. Okay, well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not anti-Catholic, and I'm not anti-Protestant. Yeah. What I am is pro-Christianity, yeah, pro and pro-Jesus, yep. and pro-Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the Catholics want you to believe that Peter is the rock. That Peter is the one that the church is built on, because it says quite clearly, Jesus speaking. If you have a red letter Bible, it'll be in red letters in Matthew 16. He says, this is Peter, comma, space, and upon this rock I will build my church. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is, is you got to read the whole story, not just one sentence, yes. to find out who the rock is. Yep, and the original Hebrew tells you a lot as well. Of course, and, and Peter had just answered the question. This is the question that we all still have to answer. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? First, it was, who do people say that I am? Mm-hmm. And, of course, the answer was, well, you're just a prophet. You're just a teacher. You're Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Mm-hmm. That's what the devil wants you to believe. Absolutely, that's okay? true. Okay. 
And then Jesus looks at him straight in the face and says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter, praise God, gets it right. He says, you're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. And he gets a promotion. Mm -hmm. I mean, instantly, Jesus says, well, flesh and blood couldn't have told you that. Only my father in heaven. And he calls him Simon Bar-Jonah, which is son of a prophet. So all of a sudden, Peter's head swells up to a (laughs) 10-gallon hat, and he's walking around strutting his stuff. Wow, man, because, you know, Peter doesn't get anything right. (laughs) Poor guy. He's just like us. That's why we all (laughs) identify with Peter so well. So, But he gets this one right, right on the money. As a matter of fact, you go back to when John the Baptist is baptized on the Jordan River by Jesus, and what does John the Baptist say? What does the dove say, rather? Mm -hmm. The dove says, this is my my son son who I am well pleased. Wow. The same exact words that answer the question. Okay. So the question is, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. And the Catholics want to give Peter all the credit. And they say that when, when Jesus is introducing Peter... He says, this is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. They they forget that there's a comma there and a space, okay? And they forget what just happened, and they also forget what happens immediately afterwards when when Peter rebukes Jesus because Mm -hmm. Jesus is telling them that he's going to have to go Mm -hmm. to Jerusalem and die. Yeah, yeah. The very thing that the disciples hate to hear. Yes. That yes. is the one mm-hmm. subject they don't want to hear it. They refuse to understand it. They don't want to hear that Jesus is going to go die. Yes. And so Peter rebukes Jesus. Can you imagine? I mean, you can oh, rebuke yeah. me. Yeah. No problem. I can rebuke you. <laughs> yeah. No problem. We'll fight it on the, out on the basketball court yeah. or something. No problem. But Peter is rebuking the son of the living God. And so what does Jesus say? He says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because your mind is not considering the will of God, but the will of the world. Yes, yes. We're talking with Thomas Winder. He's an archaeologist and a professor and a reverend, and he's done actual digs up there in that northern area of Israel called Mount Hermon, right around uh, Caesarea Philippi and uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. When you discover the things that happened on this mount and how Jesus dealt with it and how he was training the disciples to deal with it, it's going to give you a lot of comfort to know that God is going to empower you in these challenging days to make your godly stand through Holy Spirit, and he is going to, you're going to see uh, giant problems disappear and dissolve before your very eyes and heart, because this is the time where God needs to show himself mighty, and guess who he uses to show himself mighty? Y-O-U, or another way to spell it is E-W-E. So whether you're a sheep of God, a lamb of God, or a lion of God, he wants to use you to empower, be empowered to show forth his power, his glory, and majesty in these final days. And uh, he's got the right people, and that's Y-O-U, my friend. We're going to talk more about that and other things when Thomas Winder and I uh, come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. 
Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Wow, to actually get to talk with somebody who uh, takes their little shovel and uh, and uh, other trowels and other other uh, equipment and actually literally digs. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings, the scripture says in Proverbs, and the honor of kings to find out a matter. And the truth of the matter is this man not only is, is digging in scripture, but he gets to dig in the ground uh, which is referred to in scripture. And finding and discovering these things is just absolutely amazing. So Thomas Winder, good to have you. We have a, a few more s- segments to go, but I think we've... Uh, <laughs> you say open a can of worms, but <laughs> but the truth of the matter is this is something that's going to help you understand that Scripture of then is a Scripture for now as well, and the things that he instructed the disciples uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration and the things that they saw there during this time frame called the Feast of Tabernacles is very significant for us today. Thomas Winter, I'm going to hand the baton back, to, or maybe the shovel. Uh, <laughs> more like you. a shovel or a trowel. <laughs> oh, thank you, Kez. We, we were talking about Peter being the rock. Now, it turns out that Peter is not the rock. The Protestants uh, declared that the Catholics were wrong about that. And the Protestants then came back and said, well, Peter can't be the rock because obviously Jesus just called him, he's Satan. Get behind me, Satan, because your mind's in the gutter. It's not on the will of God. Okay. It's on your own will. Well, that sounds like the rest of us in, in, in our time, of course. So the Protestants say it can't be Peter as the rock. Maybe it's Peter's confession. That the confession, of course, the answer to the question, who do you say that I am? And the answer is you are the Messiah, the, Messiah, the son, son of, of the living God. God. Yes. So he gets that right, but they forget about where they're at. The Protestants don't get it all right either. Imagine being at the very gate to hell. And when you say gates of hell, literally, this, it's a gate and it's an, actually an opening is, into... That's right. At hell. Caesarea Philippi, it <laughs> says they went to the district of Caesarea Philippi. So you're not in the city limits. You're on the edge of Mount Hermon. And at the bottom of Mount Hermon, there is a big, huge cave opening. Mm-hmm. It's huge today because it's gotten bigger over time with earthquakes. And though, and it's a giant spring. Water comes out of the ground and begins the Jordan River. It's an amazing, gorgeous, beautiful place. But it used to be the altar of Pan, the goat, goat demon, yeah. who is... Mr. Pornography. He is a fertility god. To to this day, we're setting up statues to Pan all over the United States. And he's the one that lures the children into the sexual connotations that is going on right here in Hollywood. So uh, I, I think it would be helpful, my listening friend, if you realize when you go all this perversion that's going on and the child abuse and things like that is going on, it would be helpful for you to realize this is not something else. This is actually uh, tied to pan worship or demon worship. This is literally a biblical event or events that happened then that are happening now. So it, it, it helps you put more credence in the scripture you're reading, but also the empowerment that God is giving you 
in the midst of your reading of the Scripture. Thomas? Well, well, that's right, because these pagan fertility gods, their spirits are still around. Yes. Okay, the giants are buried. You don't see giants running around the earth anymore. Well, maybe if somebody does. I've heard some some pretty cool stories, you know, (laughs) but I haven't seen one myself personally. Uh, But the spirits are still around, and they're still causing trouble because all they want you and anybody else to believe is that Jesus is just a good teacher mm-hmm. or just a good prophet, not the Son of yes. God. Because mm-hmm. all the devil has to do is convince you of that and put that doubt in your mind, and he's got you. Yes. He's got you right now. So go from the gate to hell where Jesus says, upon this rock, Mm-hmm. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Yep. Well, the rock represents all the debauchery of the world. It represents the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. So you and I are literally cut out. We're hewn out of the rock of debauchery, the rock of sin, and we become the combatants against the devil wow. and his pagan gods wow. and the spirits of darkness. In fact, right there, when Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church, take it literally. We in mm-hmm. the church are all sinners. Oh, my. All of us are sinners, redeemed sinners, I pray. Right. Okay, there's probably a few that get in there sure. that haven't quite been saved yet, and we invite them in yes. to be saved because the church is a hospital for sinners. Yes. Okay, and, and and not a museum of saints. My listening friend, you may want to look through the book of Hebrews. It tells you a lot about there the you rock go. And, and Jesus being the cornerstone of that. Of the, our faith. Of our Absolutely. faith. Absolutely. Uh, so we are the rock. Yes. And we have not only collective power to cast out demons and combat the evil spirits, but we have the keys to the kingdom individually. Mm-hmm. Yes. You personally, each one of you listening, you have the power to cast out demons and to tell those evil spirits to get out of your life, to get out of your family, to get out of your schools, to get out of city hall, to get out of the government, to get out of politics, to get out. The keys to the kingdom are whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Yes, and you know, there's an interesting phraseology. The Bible talks about uh, that you exercise your faith, exercise, but also exorcise, as in casting devils out. Your faith can exorcise and be exorcised as well. I think that's an interesting analogy. But the truth of the matter is the Lord gives you the tools in his scripture and by his Holy Spirit to be in, uh, uh, you know, uh, to excise uh, an exorcise. That's right. <laughs> and that's what we have missed doing. Yes. In fact, this whole trip up north to Mount Hermon is to teach the disciples spirituality mm-hmm. because their minds are not spiritual. Yes. If you read in Luke chapter 9, for instance, it'll tell you that the only thing the disciples talk about is who's going to be in charge. Yes. Yeah, Who's going to be the right greatest? Hand, please. Yep. Okay, because they want Jesus to be the king of kings mm-hmm. and lord of lords and take everything over and kick the Romans out and basically put them in charge. 
Yep. So that's all they can think about. They're not thinking about the spiritual salvation of the soul. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus went there to teach them. Yes. So watch. He, and this is in uh, Isaiah 51, mm-hmm. we are all literally hewn out, cut out of the rock yes. and the pit. Mm-hmm. The pit is the spring that feeds the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. All these high places, all these pagan High places, by the way, have pits because they are the window to the underworld. Yes. All that water comes from below. So you have to have, that's one of the similarities of all these high places are pits where springs are Mm -hmm. so they can, you know, make it, make a pit out of it because that's where their offerings go, for instance. And that's where all their worship is going on, which includes, by the way, open orgy, Public orgy and yes. those things. Yes. Well, you know, as we dig into this, the, you made some other comments. I think we're going to tie these together, not only in this segment, but in the future segment as well. You talked about it. Hap- this, this interaction happened uh, around the Feast of Tabernacles, literally. And so we want to talk a little bit more about that. But that opens up another door about the, peop- the people whom Jesus and the uh, disciples saw uh, a guy named Moses, a guy named Elijah. Uh, this opens up so many, it, you know, it connects the New Testament with the Old Testament, but it also connects with the Now Testament today. It's, it's the picture of the church. Yes. Jesus as the head, <laughs> Moses and Elijah as the church, Jew and Gentile coming together as one. Yes. We're going to talk, we've got so much more to talk about. We only have, you know, 2 hours of a broadcast, so we're going to have to figure out other other ways to communicate this to my listening friends throughout San Diego County and beyond. My listening friend, it's good to know that God's in control. It's good to know that God is going to put people in your place that he can encourage you by and right now that person in your place is on this radio broadcast, Thomas Winder, uh, archaeologist a professor, and a reverend. So we're going to talk more about those things and others. But when you realize how the uh, things of what you think to be yesterday or yesteryear in the Scripture are actually today as well, and the empowerment, especially when you talk about the Mount of Transfiguration and Moses and Elijah of the then, what does that mean for us in the today? Thomas Winder and I are going to talk more about that thing. But stay glued to this because you're going to find here's some things that perhaps you haven't heard in this context before because God's Says, it's time for you to wake up and be activated in the power of the Lord. My listening friend, Thomas Winder, professor, uh, archaeologist, and much more, and Kaz will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Well, goodness gracious sakes alive. <laughs> My listening friend Kaz here, Come Together San Diego. Um, when you get an opportunity to find out what's going on in the literal Holy Land in the now and how it relates to the then of the New Testament, but also the earlier then of the Old Testament and how they all converge together to empower us today, it's remarkable. And I have a man who is invested and invested in archaeology and a professor and also a a minister, uh, Thomas Winder. And he just got back from Israel, and he's been excavating the area called the 
the Mount of Transfiguration, a.k.a. the uh, Mount Hermon. And we're getting into some really good stuff here. And when you realize how the things he's going to share with you not only are in Scripture, but they're to be in your heart as well, it's going to blow your mind because we're being equipped to be the warriors that God has always always intended us to be and to fight against that demonology, literally, of a child uh, abuse and uh human abuse that is in governments galore and uh, other places as well. Thomas Winder. Well, thanks for having me, Cass. <laughs> a pleasure. This is such a great subject because, you know, for the last couple of generations, it seems, the church has kind of gone to sleep and uh, we sort of just tolerate everything. Yeah. And and that's not the church's job to sit back and tolerate everything because the world is full of evil, and we're here, and we're given a mandate to fight the good fight against evil. In fact, in 1 John 3, 8, it says quite clearly that Jesus came to destroy the works, works of the, the devil. Yeah. So what he's doing by going to Mount Hermon is just that. He's teaching his disciples how to destroy the works of the devil. And in a spiritual way, we all have the power to do so. We're not wimps. We're supposed to have backbone. Mm -hmm. We are supposed to be strong in the Lord. Okay. And we are not supposed to put up with all of this evil that's going on around us. We're not supposed to just love everybody so much that that's, you know, they're supposed to just come into the church and be like us. Yes. We're supposed to actually be the light sure. on planet Earth yes. because we are the body of Christ on the planet when he's not here. Yes. And and one to, one way you can look at Scripture is a war manual for the trying times in which we face. Well, that's a good way to put it. That's right. And it's a manual for all of life. Sure, sure, sure uh, it is. Sure and, it is. And, and, and in this particular story, Jesus is going out of his way to go to Mount Hermon to where the evil and the corruption comes from, from where those bad angels landed and began paganism, began the, uh, the corruption of not just the DNA in our blood, okay, to try to stop the line of Messiah, yes. which is what the devil is constantly trying to do throughout the scriptures, uh, but he's teaching the disciples their spiritual inheritance that they simply don't know. Yes. All so, they know is who's going to be in charge. Sure. But so, so what does all this have to do? You, earlier on, you talked about this happened during the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, so— And, and uh, Moses so, and Elijah. So we find like, out— it all together. Yeah, we, we find out that it's the Feast of Tabernacles because right after— Jesus tells them about the keys to the kingdom. He says, some of you will not see death until you see the glory of God. And then immediately he says to his three captains, Peter, James, and John, come with me for a little walk. And they walk on a trail. They don't walk 65 miles south to Mount Tabor. No. Guaranteed, unfortunately, Mount Tabor is the wrong location. Beautiful place, literally one of my most favorite places in all of Israel. But it's not where the transfiguration took place. 
the transfiguration took place within an hour or two's walk at the most from Caesarea Philippi. Mm -hmm. So he takes Peter, James, and John up the hill. Now they go from the altar of Pan, the goat demon. What do you think's up the hill at the end of the trail where he's taking them next? Mm -hmm. He takes them straight to Baal's own throne. Yes. They walk up the trail, which is still there to this day. It's even maintained by the Park Service. Oh so it's it's pretty nice. You can walk direct, and there is no other trail going anywhere other than the Damascus Road, which also goes past what is now Nimrod's fortress. But at the time of Jesus, there is no fortress up there. Mm-hmm. Okay, all there is up on this particular hilltop that's all by itself with ravines on both sides that are too steep to cross. So there's only one trail that goes right up the ridge. It goes to Bale's Arch. Today, you can see where the arch used to be because what the Islamics did 900 years ago when they built a fortress was they used small stones. Mm -hmm. But the arch is made out of megalithic stones that only the giants could have could oh, have my, carved and my, stacked my, up my, my. with a with with a debris field in front of this arch where all the blue stone the dolomite has fallen down from an earthquake i presume mm-hmm. and is right in front of you the evidence is literally in your face the trail goes right up right straight through what used to be the arch of baal to his throne to my. baal's throne now he's the head dog of the pantheon of the pagan fertility gods. Okay. So when Jesus goes up there and Moses and Elijah show up. Yep. Okay. Moses and Elijah are the two guys that have overcome the fertility gods of their district. Moses in Egypt. Sure. Okay. Remember the golden calf incident and all Mm -hmm. that. And Elijah on Mount Carmel. Sure. Sure. With the, with the fancy, Barbecue competition <laughs> against against the sure. the prophets and of priests Baal. of Baal. Yes, yes. Okay. So those two overcomers, Jesus calls up. And, of course, Moses is Hebrew. And believe it or not, Elijah is not. Yep. Elijah is a Gentile. He's a Tishbite. Sure. Look up 1 Kings mm-hmm. 17, verse 1. He's a Tishbite. So you have Jesus as the head of the church, Moses as the head of the Hebrews, arm of the church, and Elijah and as the, the Gentile, Gentile yeah. representative yes. of the church, the overcomers. Because you and I are being taught every day that we have to overcome those evil spirits. Yes. You know, the, the uh, Orthodox and the ultra-Orthodox Jews will love having conversations about Moses and Elijah. But as soon as you tie this together, if, uh, giving them a, a different point of view, they, they're going to have to deal with this. I did this in a synagogue <laughs> one time. I thought they were going to shoot me. And you know what? They didn't. Mm. In fact, they were all hugging me and loving me. And telling me that nobody's ever explained it like that before. Why? Yes. Well, hey, this is simple. Yep. It's so simple that everybody missed it. They're all looking to con- you know confuse everything. No, Jesus went to Mount Hermon to reclaim the mountain for the kingdom and to teach his disciples. And that's you and I. Their spiritual makeup. <laughs> yes. And that they have the authority That's right. over the demons. Yes. Okay. And so Jesus goes up there. We call it the transfiguration. 
he puts on he he puts on this big beautiful light show that probably went many hours because we find out in Luke chapter 9 that the next morning when they came down the hill there was a huge crowd oh, yes. waiting for them mm-hmm. okay so everybody saw the light show that just happened to happen on the last evening of tabernacles at the exact same time that in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount, they're putting on their own light show because the tabernacles feast is all about commemorating the times of the wilderness. And they put on the light show to commemorate and memorialize the pillar of fire that was their guide that hovered over the over the Ark of the Covenant. My. And yeah. so Jesus, at the very exact same time, turns it, literally, turns into the very light of God. Yes. He, he is God in the flesh. Yes. And that's what we can never forget. He is God in the flesh. Only his blood could save the entire world yes. and wash sin away and give us all the choice of eternal life. Thomas Winter, that's so good. And then we're going to spend the next segment. You're talking about the light and things like that. We're going to tie this all together with the time frame in which we find ourselves today, right now, in the biblical uh, calendar. It's amazing because God is the light of the world, but we're to be his lights as well. We're going to talk more about that as we close the show. We're going to summarize everything you've heard. My listening friend, isn't this exciting? One more segment with Thomas Winder when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Welcome back to the last segment. You know what we do in the last segment of this two-hour broadcast most frequently we do kind of a summary overview, kind of a, an insight on the things that you should be getting or should have gotten during the show. Uh, but we also give the uh, guest or guests an opportunity to share ways to contact them. While we're doing that, I'm with Thomas Winder, Winder, and he is an archaeologist. He's a professor. He is a minister of the gospel as well as of the scripture. And I'm going to give a website for him, and we'll be mentioning it a couple more times as we close this final segment. But the website is holylandresearchinstitute.org. And so you want to find out more about him. But the stuff that he's written, the stuff that he's taught, there it is. Thomas, uh, let's do a little bit of summary statement here because you've dealt with a lot of things, including war in Israel uh, um, and uh, the excavations that you've done. And uh, also, I want to take just a very brief look of where we are on God's calendar now, because my listening friend, you'll be amazed how all this ties together with the time in which we find ourselves now on God's biblical calendar. Thomas Winder. Well, the appointed times of the Lord of of Leviticus 23 really spells out, uh, you know, Passover, unleavened bread, Feast of First Fruits, what we call Pentecost or Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. And then in the fall, you have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Tabernacles. Now, yes, and, 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 and something else, too. Well, uh, there. yeah, there's <laughs> there's some other ones in there. John 10, 20 mentions yep. Keslev, yep. which the month of Keslev, which is Hanukkah, yep. which is, of course, all about the Father of Lights, 
uh, impregnating, uh, you know, Mary uh, with with the light so of much. salvation. Yep, so much. Oh my gosh, it's amazing uh, all that that happens there. During the Transfiguration, we find out that it is the Feast of Tabernacles because Peter wants to build three tabernacles. Yep. One for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Yeah. And my listening over here, here's the deal. You go, oh, that was Old Testament stuff. If you look into the to the Bible, into the into the Old Testament scriptures, the prophets say this feast of tabernacles shall be uh, celebrated perpetually, perpetually, even you know all generations, thousand year rule and reign. Yes, even beyond that. Yes. yes. So this is not something that you go, oh, that was then, and, not now. And it's not just for the Jews. That's it's for there the you church. Go. That's right. They are for the church because they teach. All about Jesus. If you go to Colossians <laughs> chapter 2, verse 15, it says, these things are the shadow of what is to come. Yes, yes. So they talk about the subject, Jesus, and prophecy. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. 100%. If, you, if you've learned the feast of the Lord, you will know much more about Jesus. Yes. And he chooses to the Feast of Tabernacles to go to Mount Hermon to Put the devil on notice that he's done, mm-hmm. that Jesus is going to use the devil's own people to fight him, the devil that is, because we were all sinners at one time. Mm-hmm. We were all serving the other side at one time until we were cut out of the rock and hewn out of the pit. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, so the, so when Jesus, Moses, and Elijah get together— and for the big light show, and literally God's voice comes into this, and they all hear what Jesus and Moses and Elijah are talking about, which is the subject that the disciples hate the most, which is his departure from Jerusalem, yep. i.e., crucifixion and resurrection. It's the story they want to hear, but they are forced to listen to it because that's what the conversation was in the light, okay? But right there is the picture of the church. So good. Christ is the head of the church with Jew and And Gentile Gentile. together without the wall of enmity to separate the two. They come together as, what does Ephesians say? As the one One new man. man. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you look at this and you look at what's going on in Israel right now, the battleground that's going on there, you go, oh, no, these terrible things. But these are the things, that when, when you look through the history of these things, these altercations are actually, uh, can be very unifying in many ways. So unification, that's probably the wrong word to use, but uh, the unif- unifying of God's kids is in progress right now. When it looks so impossible, the only solution is God. And when you have that mentality, all of a sudden you could be introduced to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's happening in the Holy Land right now, and this is the time frame right now, my my listening friend. This show is broadcast in the month of Kislev, and it's a time of light and light-bearing as well, because this is a Hanukkah time. I, there's so, so many things that deal with warfare and victory in this month. It's remarkable. Thomas, uh, we've just got a few minutes. How would you like to close this, including your website? Well, I am the Holy Land Research Institute. So you can just type in Holy Land Research Institute dot org. Well, dot org. You'll find it. Yeah, there is no other. And and it's a nice little website. It's you know I've done it myself, and I'm not exactly uh, 
you know, technologically uh, versed. I'm, I'm more challenged <laughs> than most when it comes to that uh, because basically I like to be in the field. Yep. I like to be digging up this stuff. And this this story of the transfiguration and exactly where it took place on Baal's own throne, oh which means he's given notice to the devil directly that he's finished. The devil is finished. Actually, the church is supposed to be the light of the world. Come on. Yes. Okay. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. So we can't allow evil into the church. And evil is perversion. Yes. And all kinds of things that are politically incorrect in our world today, unfortunately. But they're only politically incorrect because the church has dropped the ball. Yes. We are no longer the light of the world like we're supposed to be. What happened? We all went into the country club mode. Yep. And it's all about, you know, fundraisers and bake baking days where you sell your cakes and and yeah. I mean I'm I'm being I'm being a bit sarcastic. Yes. Okay. But I was raised in the church when I was young that we were taught right from wrong. Yep. And, and to there, make a stand. and and, yep. to, and to take a stand. And in this story, we each and every one of us not only individually, but we as a church collectively are given the mandate to fight off evil. That's right. We are the body. Resist the devil and we he shall are, flee. That's right. Yeah. We are the ones that are the only ones that have been given the authority that's right. that's to right. do this. Yes. And so we have to. If we don't, yeah. Yeah. What happens? Uh, well, more of the things have been happening see. up to this point. My friend, now is the time for God's kids to be God's kids. Yeah, we and, need to be the light of the world like yes. we're supposed to. A lot of people are talking about a billion soul harvest and things like that. Those kind of things happen when the church is the church. That's right. And even the, you say hard times or warfare mentality, these things are actually springboards to get us, uh, get people paying attention and for the church to be empowered so that the world yeah. can see, oh, these are children of God, you know, uh, all creation groans awaiting the manifestation of people like us. My listening friend, it's time for us to get going really soon. Thomas Winter, I want to say thank you so much for spending time. You have a very brief 20-second or so comment. It looks like you wanted to say something. Well, I know that Hanukkah is coming. That, believe it or not, is when Mary was conceived. Mm. Because if you go nine months from Hanukkah, you land on the first day of the Feast of, of Tabernacles. Tabernacles. Oh my. When Jesus was really born. And that's Luke chapter one, verse by verse. Yes. So don't ever listen to anybody that tells you that the Bible does not tell us when Jesus was born. <laughs> because it does. Yes. In fact, Luke starts out Luke chapter one, he says, I'm gonna write this down yes. so you don't get it wrong. Oh my. And, <laughs> and so my listening friend, I, I hope you appreciate this time we've spent together. You may want to go back in the archives and find this. Uh, because this is something you're going to want to listen to over and over again. Thomas Winder, and your uh, website information is Holy Land Research Institute, holylandresearchinstitute.org, and uh, you can find out more about him that way. Thomas, good to have you. Well, you know, I put out these quarterly Digging Deeper updates, so everybody go on your computer and register, and so you can find out the latest coming very, from very Israel. Very good. Holy Land 
www.researchinstitute.org. Thomas Winder, thank you, my brother. My listening friend, come together, San Diego. That's what we do. God wants us to come together to be empowered therein. And when you realize that the Bible that was written back then, Old Testament new, is relative to us to right, right now more than ever before, and God's going to use all these things that are coming down to uh, make people open their eyes and seek people like you who know God and God's stuff. We'll talk more about this in future shows. Welcome to Come Together San Diego. See you next week. God bless. Thanks for joining Cast Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker. And then let's all come together, San Diego, next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.